Welcome to Humanize IT's podcast. And today's episode is a third part of our common business question series. And the question today we're answering is, what is the next big thing? And uh, this conversation actually sparked a conversation between Skip and I. And Skip's answer is... Mm -hmm. I don't know. If I knew the next big thing, I wouldn't be doing a podcast. You'd be investing in some tech. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Yes. And I'm more along the lines of thinking, okay, well, I really like VR and AR, and I can see how those would fit into the technology strategy going forward. And it started this really long conversation, and so we're a little late on recording this because we yeah. really got into, like, okay, what is it? Like, is it batteries? Is it going to be pushed by Tesla or something like that? The really innovation, uh, big innovation companies mm -hmm. out there, or is it going to be pushed by our need to work from home now? Like, yeah. so when we look at where big innovations come from, the one thing we did agree upon is that innovation is really charged by entertainment. Yes. And we yeah. love to be entertained as creatures. So when you see like PCs and stuff, when they really take off, it wasn't necessarily because of businesses needed more horsepower. It's because gamers needed more horsepower. <laughs> we have some amazing computers out here because I couldn't play Game X on my PC. Now, there, yeah. were, there was a lot of money pushed into server-based uh, processors because more transactions meant more money. But when it comes to the consumer side things, it's largely pushed by entertainment. And a lot of you are going to disagree with me out there. But I've just got to tell you, BlackBerry versus iPhone. There you the go. BlackBerry was superior in every way for a business person. But the iPhone is the dominant force. The Galaxy S10s are the dominant force. And so why is this? Because entertainment. We like to be entertained. And so look at tech today and what tech is entertaining and providing some kind of entertainment and that is what we're going to see as the next big thing. Yeah, you know, and so I've been struggling with this. What is the next big thing? I feel like my entire career, right? So, you know, I'm this IT professional. I feel like I'm fairly plugged in. I don't have my head buried in, a sand, in the sand, so to speak. And so I've always felt like I should know. I should be able to predict this. And I think part of it is I'm not really the visionary type. I'm much more the integrator operations kind of kind of type person. And so what I see are the next steps in what we have today. And Adam's kind of talked about it, you know, the next big thing um, being the, the remote work or the work from home. And, and what is that going to look like? What are the details that that has pushed out? Because I, I think there is a, a very, very interesting dynamic that we set in today, you know, in the, in the first part of 2021, as the world economy kind of deals with hopefully what is the the downward cycle of the the pandemic and um what did it where did it push us to so you know if you had this conversation perhaps two weeks earlier and a year ago all right talking about remote work and work from home what is that going to look like you know we would have had a five or ten year you know forecast on on staff slowly migrating to that. Okay, fast forward now to today's time and and we, you know, we did the warp speed uh through that and Necessity now we're is the mother of there. invention. We're all there. And so now I think we have to look at what did that do and what did that put us on the doorstep in in regards to the other technologies out there. 
So, and Adam, one of the things that, you know, Adam and I were talking about was uh, augmented reality or virtual reality, AR and VR. All right. And I think uh, those have been very attractive uh, technologies that have been on the horizon for a long time. But I'm wondering now if our warp speed through the telecommute work from home uh, space hasn't pushed us to the doorstep of something new and exciting in the AR VR space much, much sooner than we would have anticipated if we looked at this a year or so ago. Yeah. And for those of you playing around with VR or those of you thinking, oh, it's just, I don't know, it's kind of cheesy. I'm not a tech person. VR, I bought one, I bought an Oculus Quest 2 last fall to play around with. And I got to admit, like, the difference and the accuracy of these devices is impressive. You don't get motion sickness in them anymore. You don't get any of this like weird distortion. It feels very similar. Like when you reach out to touch an object, it is a accurate distance away. And so like you'll set down your controller and then you'll turn around and it's laying on a table in the in your physical office and you reach out and it's it's right there in the virtual office. So your hand-eye coordination works now. And that's what always threw off threw me off. But in other like VRs, and remember, I've been playing with VR since Game Boy Virtual. <laughs> I mean, I remember some crappy, crappy VRs. This stuff is impressive to the point where it's so accurate. You can use a virtual keyboard and create a virtual office with all these screens, and your keyboard will line up to your physical keyboard, and you can see where your fingers are typing. That's how accurate they are now. And your hand-eye coordination yes. works. And so it's still a bit gimmicky, but this last year we've seen so many innovations and so many developers push cash into VR that we've seen some cool things. Like I work out in VR now. It's a, it's a program, it sounds <laughs> silly, but it's a program called Supernatural yeah. where they'll drop you in the middle of the Sahara Desert or they'll drop you next to a volcano or Mount Everest. <laughs> and you have a, this panoramic view Adam in the volcano. Yeah. Is, that, is that a series now? No, versus the volcano. Adam versus the volcano. Yeah, Adam versus the volcano. There and we go. So you're, like, you're working out with a instructor, and they've got you running through kind of a Beat Saber-esque thing where you have to meet and dodge, dodge and, and do all this stuff. And it actually gets you very, very um, – gets your heart rate up. And you're doing it to music, and you're doing it in this foreign location. It's something to look forward to, and you can do it in your own home without any equipment other than a VR headset. And those so, little while, things while like all... that are what really like push VRs into the future. Yeah. And so while we all contemplate, you know, Adam versus the volcano and what that looks like. So let, let me make sure we're talking about the right thing. So set expectations. So when we talk about VR, virtual reality, that's an immersive sort of experience. So you put on some headset, uh, some eye, you know, some sort of eye gear, and it blocks out the world around you. And so all that you see is the virtually created world. And there are some really exciting stuff here. I mean, um, you know, the, the gaming environment, Adam's absolutely right. The gaming environment has driven some amazing uh, graphics and rendering and these immersive worlds that used to be on a screen, but now they're beginning to move to these virtual headsets. And so that's virtual reality. Now, and I think the virtual reality, in my opinion, is the virtual reality is going to fall into a couple of specific niches, one of them being entertainment. That one's going to be huge. 
but it is, you know, it is still going to be the entertainment side. From a business perspective, I think there are going to be virtual elements, but they're going to be much more specialized. Where I see more of a mainstream business adoption, and I'm old and fudgy, you know, so I look at the business side of everything. Um, I think the, the business side is going to be the augmented reality. And that's where you put on a, uh, a transparent headset of some sort. And, it, you know, ideally it's going to be some sort of very normal looking glasses that you put on. And the system provides you an overlay. You get, you know, highlighted information, you get infographics, you get diagrams, what, whatever it is that will fit for the situation you're in. And that is augmented reality. And that whole arena, AR and VR, I think the, the, the compute processing is where we need it to today. I don't think it was there a few years ago. Today it is. And the ability to render the graphics that we need are, are there today. So, you know, the technology is able to support us. The, the environment, the marketplace, like I said, has been fast forwarded to the doorstep of AR, VR. So what are we going to do with it? I, I don't know. I, you know, some of you guys are looking for answers. I am too. And so I like to, I personally <laughs> like to look back on the great innovations of the past. If you ever want to know what's going to happen in the future, look at history. And so I look back at when we had some really cool things, such as the iPhone. It's always my go-to for technology innovation um, and, you know, how it came to be. And it was like it had games. It had apps. It had things for you to do. It was more than just a business device. It was a personal lifestyle. And if we go even back further, something that's ubiquitous today, everybody uses today, chat engines. What was your first experience with a chat engine? A chat engine. Oh, oh my! Oh, so yeah, mine went back to games back in the '80s. Oh, my Commodore sixty-four. Oh, go Commodore! And so you think about when we started doing chat engines, it was out of necessity. We needed a way to communicate with other people playing our games, and so we did things like hyperterminal and just called directly into somebody else's PC, or we had uh, cute little IRCs, Internet Relay Chat channels that we could tap mm -hmm. into and talk about things that were common to us, or just talk to perfect strangers on the internet, which always ended up well. And, you know, back in the naive days of the internet. Nowadays, this is a critical business functionality is chat engines. When you're talking yep. through and chatting with fellow business business uh, or employees, fellow uh, workers on these chats, it's so much more efficient. That is something that they use in hospitals, they use it in every business, and, and you do it in your home. And now we're starting to see even more with internet calling. What was that driven by? What was your first true internet call? For me, it was TeamSpeak. Oh, yeah. that, was my, that was my first directly calling into a channel without using a phone or any kind of landline service other than packet-based uh, communication. That was, that was TeamSpeak mm -hmm. back around 2003. And so that was built by the gaming industry. And people got really into codecs. They really got into refining how your voice sounded. And that pushed into now we have uh, soft phones on people's PCs. They're used everywhere. This is ubiquitous now. Like we have every single uh, business is transferring over to voice over IP. Well, where did that come from? It came from gamers who just wanted to be able to communicate on online while they they play games and i think sometimes we, we look for you know as as business leaders or you know people trying to create strategic 
roadmaps and stuff like that, you know, the core part of what, what we do at Virtual C. We're always looking for, you know, the next big aha thing. And to some extent, I think we may need to give ourselves a little slack and, uh, and realize that, you know, we, we don't know what we don't know. The, the future is a bit of a mystery. And so what we can do is be proactive about the things that are at our doorstep today. So, you know, we've talked about AR and VR and, and what you might be able to do with that. There's no clear standout product there, right? But begin thinking about that. Look at that. What, what could your business benefit with if one more step were made, yep. one more technology advancement were made in this? And that, that's a good area. Let me flip over to another example. Uh, so there, there's, a, there's a real estate side to, to me personally. All right. So, you know, I've been working in that for many, many years, kind of my, my dabbling uh, of things. And when I talk about the remote work or the work from home, specifically sort of deal, my real estate mind starts thinking about what's that going to mean to home designs and, and the features. You know, it used to be a home office was a nice little <laughs> thing. But I'm beginning to think now pretty much every standard floor plan going forward is going to have some sort of home office setup. Yeah. You know, it's going to be a very important part about standard offices. And, you know, for maybe a little bit bigger or more expensive homes, what about a dual office? Is it going to be two offices or one room that can be dual used? I've yeah. considered like talking to contractors here in Lincoln, Nebraska, and opening up a, sep a separate consultation venue where I can show them what my office looks like here. This is a hybrid office. And what I mean by that is that mm -hmm. I spend most of my time talking to customers around the world. And so I have an office that is perfectly situated for great conversations in a dynamic environment that takes up very little space. So half my office is an argyle green and half of it is whiteboard paint. And so this is a very yeah. functional place to be. And there's some sound mechanics to my office that are very important. Yes. Little and things little like things that. that you can do to a home office and make it feel amazing and have this virtual feel. So whether you're in Zoom or you're in Teams, you look really professional. And these home offices like that, I think are going to become a really big thing. But there's going to be a way to a right way to do it. And right now, everybody's yes. kind of in the, I just yes. need a desk and I need a wall. And when they start seeing that there are ways to implement technology like lighting, three-point lighting systems and investing in a better mic uh, and a Shure SMB7. And then all of a sudden they're like, wait, why don't I upgrade my video camera? Why don't I? And then they, <laughs> keep, they go down the list and suddenly yeah, you're in this environment. But that is, I foresee some people doing a great job of really setting up like these canned uh, technology suites. Or a while ago, yeah. about, I want to say 15 years ago, there was a company, and I do not remember the name of them on top of my head, but they used to make developer slash gamer workstation pods. And what they were is they were an all-in-one mm. unit with a chair in the middle that swiveled with the sun. And so that you never got the glare <laughs> across your face. And it was perfectly ergonomic, and you had all your monitors in front of you, but it was a drop-it-in-the-middle-of-the-room kind of pod where you had could have up to 15 monitors in front of you. It was a like a battle station. It was really cool. But I could see something similar to that being like at home, you know, pay a monthly fee, 
and have one of these in your work office where it is built for meeting virtually and working at home in a comfortable way. Definitely, definitely plan your next step. Look what look what some other people are doing. You know, go browsing around, carve out some time in your calendar. If you aren't sitting down and for your industry, if you aren't spending some intentional time looking at what if stuff, then I would say you're leaving a, a great deal of possibilities uh, on the table and and you're really not doing the best by your business that you, you could. You could also need to ask yourself questions such as, um, what's the next big, big thing? Well, yeah, what's the next big thing for you? And the question there, there is, what is holding back your business today? Just exactly what Skip said. Ask yourself that question. If you want to be working from home, what is keeping you from doing that? Is it the face-to-face interaction? Okay, maybe we need a colo space where everybody has to meet there once a week. What about the rest of the time? How do you make that transition happen? Is it a technology piece or is it just a process piece? And so that's what's going to push the next big thing for your company. The, the Oculus Quest 2 may never be something that's going to help your business. It may be fun in your personal life. It may be a great way to have breaks at the end of the day. But it may never make it into your business if you're like a florist. But what may make a difference is if you're able to create work-at-home offices via a technology that makes it feel like you're all next to each other, that may work out well. If you're able to distribute um, the products that you use, that may help out. And so you got to think about what's keeping you from reaching the next level in your business today. And if it magically appears a technology, what would that piece of technology look like to you? So that you know that in the future, this may exist, but it doesn't today. Or maybe you should Google it and see if it does exist. There might be a niche market out there. Like there are some really, really cool technologies out there that um, people don't know about. For instance, um, another thing for the future is the um, wearable tech, things that you put on your body, just like mm-hmm. Skip was talking about earlier, but in the medical arena. So a oh, yeah. huge thing in the arena is um, finding ways to do diabetes management without a needle. Mm-hmm. That is a that is a that is a gold mine right there. And I can tell you right now, there are Absolutely. watches just like the the heart the Fitbit watches that are working on glucose monitors to help people with diabetes. And if we can solve that problem, think about that marketplace. Think about how that will change people's lives. And how that'll make things better. What if you could have a piece of wearable tech that would alert you if your cholesterol was high? If you had a piece of wearable tech that told you if you had a heart <laughs> yep. arrhythmia. And you can get ahead of issues in your life just by wearing a smartwatch. What if that was and, available? And that is it. That is, I think, things that we're looking at now. You know, so many of those things are available. So my, my wife is a type 1 diabetic. And so we're we're closely connected to, to that part. And there are so many things that we can do, but it's just not quite there. You know, it's on the it edge. So close. It's on the edge. It, it, it really is on the edge. You know, the, the wearable heart monitor stuff, what it takes to, to really ca- capture the really good data on that. It is close, but you know, the supporting hardware that goes along with it is bulky, you know, 
we're, we're shrinking technology, you know, shrinking compute power. That's been on a really good, you know, path for a really long time. What hasn't been really, really shrinking, though, is the just the physical size of the batteries. You know, we're getting more power out of them because we need it. But, uh, and they're shrink. you know, they're managing to fit that, that increased, you know, uh, output into the same size, but it hasn't got significantly smaller. The tech is out there. Yeah. The push is out there to get better storage, to get better um, generation because wearable tech, like we have the devices, but you're right. The, the bulkiness of them, the... There's just wearing a chest strap with a, with a pouch with a battery in it. I don't want to do that. Yeah, that yeah. I need tech that makes my life easier. Even if it's going to tell me my heart rate all day, or it's going to tell me my, um, if it's going to tell me my uh, uh, glucose levels, like would I rather just whip out a needle once a day and test, or would I rather wear a bulky device? You know what? I'm already used yep. to the needles. And so yeah, that's, that's another thing when it comes about tech is think of the laziness yep. factor. Does this tech allow me to be lazier? It's something incredibly cool, but maybe just slightly horrifying. It kind of depends on what, what mood you might be in at the moment, okay? Uh, but yeah, Boston Dynamics. Uh, <laughs> I did see the Black Mirror uh, episode. Oh, I don't, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the, the, these, these robots that they have, and they have a whole assortment of them out now, are amazing in their capabilities, all right? And so we look at this, and, you know... Um, just what they're capable of doing. But if you kind of step back and look at, you know, after your initial shock and awe of, you know, what this robot is able to do, you kind of look back and go, hey, why is there a cord hanging out of the top of that thing? What is that for? Are they just trying to keep it up? Well, yeah, maybe so. But more importantly, for some of the robots that, you know, you see, it's a power cord, all right? Because they, they're able to generate and use more power than what they can, really. And so other ones, you'll go out and look at, oh, that looks really great. We'll turn the volume up on the video and you'll hear that the thing actually has an internal engine that's running and it's very, very loud, you know, to generate electricity. And then you'll see some that look really great and they, and they don't have the engine and they don't have the cords and they're running on battery. And you're thinking, oh, it's all great. It's all there. But yeah, you know, you dig in the details and it can only operate for... 15 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever, you know, and, and there's actually a very, very small section of those. They do have one. They're, they're kind of, I forget what they call it. It looks like a dog uh, kind of thing. That one they've actually, That's it is, favorite. that one, that one has, has progressed far enough down that they can get the battery in it and they can get some useful, you know, features and, and attributes attached and it can, it can work for extended periods of time. But, it can also the most recent in, videos is it is it picking up your house picking up your home and putting away oh it is, yes uh, recognizing foreign objects in yeah. rooms and picking them up and putting them in the appropriate place it now has an accessory for a basket on the back so it'll put things in the basket and then it'll take yeah. them the definite out. definite uh, you know a Christmas idea for all thirteen year olds out there you know like. Until, yeah. they turn <laughs> Until they on turn on you. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> but, but what's going to happen with that entire suite of technology? From Boston Dynamics, they're, they're, they're the flashy ones, and they're definitely leading. But there are a whole slew of companies out there delivering and developing products. Now, what happens to that entire industry when the battery packs get both drastically smaller and, and with that smaller, lighter, and their power output goes way up? 
what if we create a battery pack that is half the weight, five times the output, and double the length? You know, hey, that's something. I, I can plug that in, and now I can begin to think, what, what can I develop around that? So that when that happens, I'm ready. I, I'm cutting edge, and I'm not following up trying to catch up with the market. Oh, and I have, I have an epic fail for us today, Adam. So it, we're, we're coming around uh, 2000, 2001, and I'm working with a very large company, and we're on a very, very old operating system, <clears throat> Banyan Vines, for anybody that you know might recognize that. Okay, and so we know we are way, way past the due date uh, on the carton on this thing, and it is time to, to move over to something else. And there was a group, you know, within our, our technology uh, leadership that said, hey, we need to go on the Microsoft route. But there was a group of us nerds, you know, who were entirely focused on the speeds and feeds and the manageability and the features of what the operating system could do right now, right out of the box. And even in that 2000, 2001 timeframe, Novell was awesome. It, it kicked the pants on, on Microsoft every day and every feature that was out there. But Novell didn't have what some other more developed strategic thinkers had that Microsoft did. All right? Microsoft was able to see, or the, the people that were choosing the Microsoft products were able to see past just some of those deals. So I made a hard, hard sales pitch for Novell and, uh, you know, cashed in some of my chips, so to speak, within, uh, you know, every sort of leadership deal, pushing for Novell. And I was, I was, I was overruled. They, they didn't listen to me. They chose their own path, went down the Microsoft route. And years later, they were right. Um, I, I was, I was not making the right decision back then. So my fail on that is that I failed to see what was going to happen in the coming years. What was Novell doing that I thought we could capitalize on next? If Novell did X, I don't know what that was, you know, how would that, how would that work out? And Microsoft had a lot of those things. Now, whether they executed them or not, I don't know. But Microsoft had some, hey, if they get this product, and maybe, you know, maybe we're looking at Bob, all right, which the Microsoft Bob, all right, you know, that, that's an interesting deal. We won't go there. But, you know, whatever it is you're looking at, if this executes on, what would we be able to do? And if in 2000, uh, if you were at this company that I was at and you were looking at all the possibilities of what Microsoft could do versus what Novell could do, and you chose Microsoft, you made the right choice. Skip chose no, Novell. All right? It was the wrong choice. That was my epic fail. But uh, it, it was just because I lacked the, the vision. And to be honest, it wasn't clear cut. I mean, I wasn't alone in, in, in this Novell supporting decision. Uh, I, I really, you know, think there was a valuable reasoning. It wasn't just random. It wasn't just totally, I was a Novell fan, right? I, I had my reasons behind that, but you are going to have to look at all opportunities in this and see what's available for your organization. What can you capitalize on that's going to drive yeah, your business? And it's not always obvious. And I think, uh, you know, to sum up here, in the end of the day, you have to look at what's going to empower your business. As we talked about earlier, what's going to get you more in the end. And it's not necessarily the status quo. 
Like Novell was fantastic. It really yeah. was the best in the market. But so was Palm. So was BlackBerry. These are all companies that were yeah. overthrown by mm -hmm. a company that was better at entertainment, that was better at reaching yeah. and appealing themselves flashier. to the customer. Yes. And because of that, the market shifted in the direction of the thing that was more consumer friendly. And when you do that, you can see what's coming up. Like the Oculus Quest 2, as cool as it is, it's still clunky to wear. As, as awesome as some of the wearable tech is for health reasons, it's still clunky. So they're going to be outdone by whoever comes up with a t-shirt or a pair of glasses or mm -hmm. something that's just normal for people. That's what's going to win. The thing that fits into your normal life cycle, whatever fits into your normal business cycle, seamlessly, that's the next big thing. And that's how you measure success is will it make your business more successful with the least amount of effort? That is where success comes in. There you go. So I appreciate you coming yep. on today, Skip. I look forward to finishing up our common yeah. business questions next week. Thank you. Looking forward to it.